Hey guys, we got a bit of a longer episode this week. We had some technical difficulties that caused the recording to have to be restarted a couple times. And so if you notice any jump cuts, it was either because I had some internet issues that caused us to have to restart the call and the recording, or there was some kind of interruption through for IRL reasons. But whatever the case was, please bear with it. Also, apologies for the excessive stammering in this in this episode. I'm sorry if that bothers you. I'm I'm trying to work on it. I'm not the the clearest of speakers, and sometimes I stumble my words a good bit. But uh, without a further ado, let's begin the episode. All right, hello and welcome to Tamer Talk. Uh, no guests this week, just me and uh, old Captain here. Want to say hi? Hey. Yeah, there you go. And uh, today we'll just be talking about some random stuff. We'll start off with the uh, the animations that were recently showed off on Twitter. Uh, we'll start with them in order, starting with uh, I believe it's. Oishi Dashi or Oshi Dashi? Oshi Dashi. Yeah, there's no either. Uh, yeah. I'm Oshi. not um not very good at, at discerning the pronunciation of this. Yeah, I think it's Oshi Dashi or Oshi Dashi, one of the two. It's yeah. not really important. What's important is that it looks sick. <laughs> yeah, e- easily easily the best content um that that they've ever put out ever. Like this is <laughs> like if if Crema could it was like a, it was a painter. This is their their masterpiece. He's not uh, just saying that because he loves pig epics. Yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> That's actually the only reason why I'm saying it. But um, yes, this animation is. This makes me really excited for what the future of like, you know, move animations will be in this game because this is like. Uh, for, so for people, I mean, I guess. I, I'm speaking out of turn here, but you can like link these or like link to the Twitter, right? For this, with this podcast to these, these little snippets of the moves. I can actually include it inside the, uh, the video. All right. Yeah. Okay. That's what, that's what I thought. So yeah. So we'll definitely do that. Check out Oshidashi. Uh, for those that are like listening to it with audio and, um, you know, aren't planning on clicking on anything right now. Yeah. There'll be links, uh, but you can check is... the Twitter. <laughs> And for those that don't know what Oshidashi means, which I'm definitely someone who doesn't, or actually, no, I looked it up, actually, so no, I, I do. It's uh, it's apparently based from sumo wrestling, uh, from Japanese sumo wrestling. That's and even it's, better. It, it, yeah, and it's for, it's the term that's used to describe, like, a ring out. So, like, when you knock someone out oh. of the ring, that's the Oshidashi. That makes so much sense for the animation. That's nice. Yeah, and and this animation that they have for it right now is like the most Falcon Punch <laughs> that you could ever imagine. Uh, just like knocks the Tim into space, slow motion. Like, oh my gosh, this is. Okay, you know, just, uh, off the top of my head, maybe the best animated move in the game right now as so it stands it'd be a 10 out of 10 for you yeah for sure for sure i'd probably rate it that much too i mean there's a lot of other great animations out there but this one's also great they have a good record of animations so far there's a there's a few that are kind of yeah but they don't really need to be that great like a like fin beat it's just a fin slapping someone it's really pretty it's nice it's simple but it's not like you know amazing right right i think it, it tells the story well it does what it, it needs to Right. Which, uh, I guess kind of leads us to this next animation, Awful Song. So, Awful Song is a move that, if you didn't know, does something that no one cares about because no one uses this move. But let me look it up for you, because I've forgotten what it does. 
but it's one of the TCs if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it is. Let's see. Awful. I know it does, it does something with normal or sorry, uh, neutral types. It just does damage, and with the normal type, it does more damage. Oh, it does AOE damage, so it does damage to the whole team with an with a ally. So it's just a normal or a neutral type special attack that does damage, and if you have a neutral ally next to you, you deal it to the whole enemy team. Boom. Honestly, kind of boring. Not many teams can learn it either, and none of them are even neutral types, so they don't even get stab on it. So I'd say it's it's just overall a pretty lackluster move, and the animation kind of fits that. It's um. It's just some notes flying across the screen with some some little notes in the in the in the sound background, and it's just kind of plain and simple. I'd say it's probably like I'd say it's like a five or a six out of ten for me. It's 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 good. It's just not you know interesting or outstanding. Yeah, I'd probably put it a little closer to that solid six mark on mine. Um, yeah, it's 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 a fine ability. Um, and you could definitely tell what the point, like, you know, awful song. It's like shows out these music notes, which displays song or represents song. And then they turn like red and fall flat, which, you know, implies a bad song, I suppose. But it also feels really vanilla, which maybe is, is merited since the move itself isn't all that significant. And I think Maybe obviously so is probably not going to be super relevant in the meta. Maybe it will be, but like it feels just kind of meh. It's got some really good move. damage for some really like okay stamina. It's 96 for 20 stamina. And if that's an AoE move, that's actually significant. The problem is there's no neutral type Temtim with special attack. Or there's no neutral type Temtim that can learn in the first place. And the only ones that can are Whiplump and Tentil that have good special attack. And Gaius is the other one, and it's more of a physical attacker. So it's just kind of out of place. But I, I can see it being useful. It's just right now, it, there's nothing for it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, just, yeah, it feels... It, like, if I were to ask you to to make an animation or make an art for, for Awful Song, this feels like the common denominator like the yeah. lowest common denominator um this is likely what i would envision which i you know maybe is a good thing for some people like because that's that makes it noticeable recognizable and obvious mm -hmm. but it's also oof, like you know when you compare it to some of the, some of the moves in this game that just really come out as like you know wowzers this yeah. is not one of those moves. And I think there there should be moves like that because not every move should be like a cutscene because then the game just kind of gets really slow. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So maybe maybe that's our strategy here, but it does it does make it feel weird considering it's, you know, it's power level and um potential, I suppose, relevance yeah. to the game. Imagine a Valash with that. You manage buff turn 1 and then you do that with a synergy and you hit the enemy team for what is that? 96 times 1.5 is like, let's see, 45, 48, 144-ish damage, I think. Yeah. Base, that's, AoE. I mean, that's relevant, but, you know. It can be sad. scary it, if, like, you know save a lash. It's just awful. That's just <laughs> real. <laughs> but yeah. Just an awful song. I do hope they add a... a, a an option to disable 
all like animations, like battle animations, to make the game go by faster, that'd be nice. You shut your mouth. What? Look, when you're grinding Ukamas in the C note, and you just want to like freaking catch it without having to worry about um waiting for the very last turn for it to tell you no, like that would speed things up a whole lot. That I would like. I would like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. On to the next couple moves. Uh, shown off by the cute little Bigu. There is slime, and then uh, blues using toxic slime. So slime is very simple, but very pretty. I'd say it's it's you shoot it like this. It shoots out this like green or not sorry this blue gluey gob of slime, and covers the enemy Tim Tim in it, and like uh, kind of like a cage, which kind of like symbolizes the the trap status which it inflicts on them, which is really great. I like it a lot. Very pretty too. Yeah, I I feel very similar with you. If we were to continue this sort of scaling and ranking, I would put that at maybe an eight to a nine ish. Yeah, I'd say um, a seven or eight. Yeah, I'd say that it does a really good job of, of depicting and I think both variations, you know, the slime and toxic slime, I think the simple color change is relevant, makes sense. I like the decision there. Um it, it just could also does... be black. Yeah, it could be. Um it just uh I don't know. I've seen enough moves where it's like a ball comes out of my monster and then like splats onto something. It's like that's ubiquitous, man. That's in every single game. So I couldn't ever say that it's perfect, but you know, it's tried and true. It's good. Like there's a reason why it's in all of the games. You know, it's easy to make and it tells the story well. And... Yeah. And Toxic yeah. Slime just looks like slime, but like instead of getting that cage. It, it's, there's no after uh, animation whenever it hits them, and it's green. And that'll be showing up on the screen here for those that are uh, interested in what that looks like. It's very simple, very plain. I'd give that a 5 or a 6, personally. It's mm -hmm. a good one. Yeah, I think that's about it for all the new animations that are out there. That's the Tim Tim news. <laughs> Pretty much. But uh, you know, if they're adding a bunch of animations like this publicly, that means things are getting pretty close to ready. So yeah, you can feel that kind of uh, that buzz. I mean, going on two empty weeks of of content, and um, you know them slated to be releasing that new block very soon. Like we're we're in that that quote unquote phase right now. Mm -hmm. It's in the air, man. They said uh. The They'd say it'd definitely be within this month, from what I remember, from within um, yeah. March or April. So expect yeah. it within the first couple of weeks, I'd say, of April. I think April is definitely the the time for that spring update. That's what I that's what I predict. That April Fool's update. Yeah, all the Tim Tim are now pig epics. Yeah, when they announce that they're going to uh, no longer be updating Tim Tim, uh, Crema has gone under. And that they are very sorry. That'd be a hilarious April Fool's actually to change everyone's models to Pig Epic. Yeah. All the trainers that name their Tim Tim now have an advantage. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of having an advantage, you had your first tournament uh, yeah. this week, right? Yeah, I joined uh, Temporium's weekly tournament on Saturday and. I didn't do too great, but it was it was a great experience in my first tournament. Um, I that did end up. Sounds like what a loser would say. <laughs> oh, I did lose. I lost uh three rounds out of the five round Swiss, so I won two. 
one of them was against a uh, one of the better players, Tsubaki Chen. She uh she had a uh, rest team, a relaxed team, and we went to turn thirty, and it was a real nail biter too, because we were Ooh. down to the last him, and it came down to whoever had more HP. Yeah, and so I had energy drink on my uh my Nidrasil, but it, it didn't change properly whenever I like updated it. So make sure you always like pull your Temtem out of your competitive team whenever you make changes and put them back in, because apparently that's a common thing that happens. So I had an item on there that just wasn't working on my Temtem. And had it been working, that game would have been a lot easier, I'd say, on me, because that then I wouldn't have to worry about that Temtem going to sleep ever. Right. And I would have been able to basically whittle down her team much faster, because that my, that's my Temtem that applies all like three stacks of Toxic every time it attacks. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a bummer. I somehow squeezed it out, though, by uh, KOing enough of her Temtem by throwing in my pig and bamboozling to stop relaxes and throwing out my uh, Kinu to just have something awake and be able to buff and heal and all that. All right, we get it. We get it. You're smart and great and wonderful and everything. But let's get into the details here, man. You're saying that uh, uh, there was a relax strat going on here. What what did that look like? Uh, I couldn't remember all the Tim Tim. But, uh, well, you don't have to remember all the Tim Tim. Just talk about some of the significant parts. Some of the things that was like, like how did you how did you become obvious there was a relaxed strategy on the opponent's team? Like when did you know that kind of stuff? You know, like when she spammed was... relax with <laughs> a pig epic and a barnsey next to each other, both using relax turn after turn. Really, that's that's it was that aggressive. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, if you do that and you have the wind, then there's no reason not to do that, right? So you always have the uh the sleep effect on because it goes away at the end of turn. If you're attempting or faster, if you turboed a bunch then your relax is going to go off first every time, and you're just going to be able to get free damage with Barnshee because it's, it's mental type. It can't go to sleep no matter what. And if you give your pig a uh, anything, like a pillow like she did, it'll keep healing up, and it being asleep won't even matter too much. So, yeah, just having those two out can be a threat. You wouldn't think to uh, support Tim Tim would be that scary, but they're pretty scary. Thankfully, though, uh, it's really bad against other support Temtem. So, like, I could throw my pig epic out there for free, and they, they just weren't strong enough to take it out, so... I believe I had a turbo on it that made it faster than her pig. So, the only time it was ever really a problem is if the Barnshee was out. And I, I'll, I'll have a video up later if you're really interested in the whole story. I'll be uh, uploading a bunch of matches later on YouTube whenever I get those edited and uploaded. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do for sound in the background for now, but... I'm not sure if I just want to do music, talk about the game, or just ramble about, you know, daily life or something like that, you know. Just play a bunch of Benny Hill music and yeah. Beethoven. Yeah, because after I edit it all down, it's it's going to be a lot shorter than the actual game was because I'm going to basically be editing it out probably like five or six minutes of just picking something. Like, a, I plan on editing out every excess amount of turn time that there is. Like, if I made my choice, I'm going to go ahead and edit down the rest of that for the re for the turn to start so that way it just gets on and if mm -hmm. uh like when i'm drafting i might take so i almost always take a whole minute of time in my first round of draft to figure out what the first ban is because it's so important of a move so like stuff like that where it just i just take a while to make a pick i'll probably edit that down just so it's not a lot of time wasted because you don't really need to know that, you don't need to see that information, so you, ju you just need to see what I do. You don't really need to see how long it takes me to do it. So That's probably what I'll do, if you're interested later, for watching that, folks out there watching. But uh, 
I can't really remember two of the details myself because it was the first round I played of many that day, and they were all kind of uh, brain intensive. Oh yeah. Yeah, I have to go That's back and watch a, it myself. Good sign. That is a good sign. You definitely want to hear that you actually have to think. Yeah. Um. So I've taken up writing down stuff whenever I play. So they don't tell you what Tim Tim your opponent has. You have to remember that. So whenever we go through the draft phase, every time they pick a Tim Tim, I write its name down. Every time I KO a Tim Tim, I put a slash through its name. Every time a Tim Tim gets buffed, I put its name down and write down what buffs it has. Just so I can remember. And um, I was actually, I learned a lot recently. I'm, I was mistaken about how Bamboozle works before. So it does apply to the Tim Tim that you use it on. It does not apply to the slot. I thought it just applied to the slot and stayed there until it got used up. But that that was entirely wrong. If you switch Tim Tim out that has Bamboozle on it, it just goes away. So I was thinking it worked that uh, it stayed on the slot that you put it on. But uh, when I was playing, that just turned out not to be true. So I had to figure out through like live testing that when you switch it out, it's kind of just wasted. So I took advantage of that quite often whenever I could. So whenever someone would have a Temtem in that has bamboo, they, I'd see them wanting to bamboozle with Pig or just something else. If I ever see a bamboozle and I switch in something that makes them want to switch out, and they switch out without using the bamboozle, that makes me feel good. Because they essentially wasted two turns. One using the bamboozle, and two switching. Waste is a strong word, but well, they didn't make progress. Yeah, I guess... They didn't progress two turns. I guess the, well, the bamboos was definitely wasted, but... <laughs> yes, I guess that's true. But wasted two turns is, is strong. Yeah, so whenever you switch Temtem, or yeah, in Pokemon this applies too, it, you can kind of see it as giving up your turn for that. And so you're not getting any damage in play, you're not getting any buffs, you're not getting you're not getting anything out of it other than a different board state, which is doing something, yes, but you also leave yourself open to losing out on a lot for it. So it can be costly. And this leads into when you start predicting your opponent, or when they start predicting you for that matter. Mm-hmm. If if they can read a specific switch in and they get in a two times hit that can take out like over half your health. That's a big loss. That's pretty much a dead Tim Tim right there. Right. The only uh, way to really conserve that is to outplay your opponent at that point. Which is cool, because having a easy way to get back into the game is very bad in my opinion. It makes it for very unfun PvP gameplay. But having it be impossible unless the opponent makes a mistake is also bad because then if they just play safe there's no chance of you winning and right and i think pokemon is a good example of, a, of an environment where comeback is kind of impossible i i disagree um it, it's all about how well you play versus your opponent and because there's no like for the most part there's no guaranteed safe play there is a play that is very often good, but if, they, if, like, say they read it and they get a two times hit on it on something because of that, then you made what is most likely the right play, but you still get hit, like hard punished for it. As an example, there are some times when there is no way to this this play can be a bad play, but usually if you're at that point, you've already won the game. Like, uh, 
for example, my Volarend, I always try to make it like a, a raid boss where I get as much like defense on it po as possible and speed, so that way Hyperconnect does a crap ton of damage. And mm -hmm. if I get to that point, it, it starts getting to the point where I can just leave him in, leave my Volarend in against anything, and it doesn't matter. And that if that's the case, then I've got a very strong chance of winning that game because of that. The only real way to come back from that is if my opponent somehow extinctions it, and I have no way of getting rid of it. Getting rid of the doom status. <laughs> that would be the For only way now. to take it down at that point. Well, yeah, until they do stuff like uh, Pokemon has this move called Haze, which removes all stat, or stat changes. Which is very strong. Which is why uh, very large buff strategies aren't super common in Pokemon, because Haze is not hard to get. I think Defog also does it now, too. I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't think there's a move that resets the stats. There's an ability... And an that, item. ...that does that. Yes, there's an item that does it. But now there there is a move that gets rid of the status conditions. Yes. Uh, um, unfortunately, it's only single. It's only self-target. Is it only? I thought the effect of it, if you had a, a water tim... It just makes you, saw, you immune. Oh, okay. Yeah, it gives you the immune status effect. Yeah, Masogi is a self-target only spell or mm -hmm. uh, ability, technique, or whatever. And the, the synergy just makes it where you get a bonus status effect afterwards that makes you unable to receive status effects, or negative status effects, rather. Yeah. Very or, interesting. I'm I'm super excited to see status conditions come into this game. I want to touch on something real quick that I learned while playing. So, speaking of negative and positive status effects, um, I don't know what Doom counts as. Because... If it's negative, then Timtim that have, say, resistant like Iolus should have three whenever they get extinctioned. Three Doom status instead of four. But they don't. Uh -huh. They have four. Interesting. And it doesn't count as a positive, so things that have a, a receptive don't get extra turns of Doom time when they get it. Interesting. Yeah, so I don't know if it's a specific interaction with resistant and it's still negative, or if it's like a, some kind of weird neutral that doesn't get blocked by immunity. That's a that's a very good question. You're onto something there. I uh, maybe we should send an email to Crema on that one, or a, a Twitter shout out. Yo, what uh, what's the deal? Are there neutral status conditions? Positive, negative, and neutral. Yeah, I. Or I'm to... sorry, nullified. Yeah, I'd have to dig deeper into that to find out more. But yeah, I found that out more, through testing. More math, more numbers, more science, more test tubes, Papa John's. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsor me, Papa John's. But, uh... Where is I going with this? Okay, so... I'd say the... The, the most fun about Tim Tim right now playing it competitively is, is learning all this stuff while I'm playing. Because, like, mm. when, I, when I... You know this because I told you. When I first started, um... When I finished my team, I had leveled up max... Or to the current level cap. I had gotten them TV trained. I've got their moves ready. I've got everything done. I was ready to go on that day. And I just didn't play it all that day because I was kind of scared to start. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know if I wanted to stream it. I didn't know if I wanted to even play at that point because I was kind of like, what if it's just not fun? But uh, eventually I just said, okay, I'm just going to play and whatever happens, happens. And I really enjoyed it, which I'm glad I did start playing. I was a little worried at first, but it's, it's a really fun game at, at a competitive level and it makes me want to play it more the more I play it. 
I have to basically stop myself at some point or else I won't get anything done around the house or make food or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, what you're describing, I think, is something that maybe even from my own experience I can speak to. Maybe not everyone goes through this, but I feel like I hear it often enough, but that sort of like anxiety of PvP online, especially in a new game. Mm-hmm. I hear this often from a lot of my friends or, you know, sometimes my enemies, like my, my arch nemesis, for example, sometimes like to mention that whenever it comes to going into games, they're, they're actually intimidated in starting a new games like PVP. And I can see that for Tim Tim too, but you know what I say to that? I say that it always turns out to be nice unless the game is just bad, of yeah. course, which is, it's possible, but I mean, people are far more interesting than the computer almost always there are very few scenarios where i've again this is like personal experience of course but like there are very few scenarios where i've been like you know what i'm super happy i'm playing against a computer that does the same thing is solvable as opposed to like the chaotic nature of playing against another human being yeah um so if that being said anyone out there that's like nervous about going into some some tim tim pvp just do it well, it's probably get great. your stuff first because you're gonna get probably not gonna have a fun time if you play at a disadvantage, which you will if you don't get all your stuff ready. Yeah, that that's true. Definitely get your stuff going. Hopefully, the new matchmaking system will come out soon and will mitigate yes. a lot of that that labor yes. by giving you um, access to proxies in the form of just boosting bad Tim. Yeah, which you is don't great. have to worry about that whole huge time investment. Like, I mean, to get your team to a, a spot and this is just a team like you don't even have like all the team you could ever possibly want you just right. have like just your team i have that uh, and a couple others i can probably exchange for months? over it's probably like a month or two yeah because like i started month? the game in like what was it so they february january when did the early access come out uh 2017 <laughs> no um it came out in january what? i believe of this year yeah Huh. Did you not know that? No, yeah, I knew that. Oh, <laughs> you just... <laughs> yeah, so it came out in January, and I didn't get it till uh, our tax returns came in, which I believe was... <laughs> oh, was that February? Or was it... Yeah, it had to be sometime in February. So, yeah, I got it, I think, early in February, because I believe our tax returns came in, or mine came in, earlier the earlier the month so i got it around then and i'd been grinding from scratch since then to get a team ready well i also played through the game at a normal pace i didn't try to like blast through it but i spent all that time working on this team and i i i thought about it long and hard what what tintim do i want what's the meta like what what would i do for a tv spread what i started watching like like higher level players play seeing what they do joining like streams to see what they do shout out to karth and Atikar. Uh, getting a feel for the meta basically before I actually got into things and I'd say I'm pretty happy with my team right now there's like a couple weak links that I'd probably change out specifically Ukama and maybe maybe Volcrane Volcrane's also so strong but anyways my point is I, I put so much time into making that team that I think that's why I was scared because I'm not normally oh, scared yeah. to jump into that kind of stuff <laughs> 
Uh, you know me. I whenever we start like if we ever start a new game, I'm not really scared to just jump in and make mistakes. But after I spent that much time to get to this spot, and I thought, what if I don't like it? I was like, I don't, I don't want to feel like that. I don't, kind of don't want to risk it at that point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because then that would all feel like a giant waste of time, and I would feel terrible. But I, that was just some, for lack of a better way of putting it, inner demon just kind of making me feel bad for no reason. Because this game, I had no reason to believe it was bad. I just, I guess I was just unreasonably scared. Because everything up to this point was good. I had no reason to even doubt this. But sometimes you can't really control that. Yeah, it would, uh, as much time that you spent into making that team, it would it would feel pretty bad to, to find out <laughs> the team is bad. That too. Like, just real bad. I think that was one of my main concerns. Like, what if I just can't play because this, this team sucks? But, it's uh, so bad that you just get, like, booed off the stage. Yeah, um, for those that are wondering what I did uh, for my TV spreads, for pretty much all of them, I started with max HP. Just because having more HP means your Timtim will survive more almost always. Uh, you'll very rarely get one shot if you have max HP on anything. And that's even more so amplified if you have, like, defense... Uh, investments and that's pretty much what I did I have not that much speed like a lot of people will put like a lot like almost max speed sometimes I honestly only have like at most a couple hundred and someone speed stats and the way I get around that is I just have a bunch of Timtim with turbo I turbo a lot yeah. yeah and it's very effective um I've actually considered getting a race for my team just so I can have a, a free turbo on the enemy or free negative turbo basically for the enemy team because I switch a lot too, but then I, I always think to myself, am I going to be wanting to switch into raise? Because uh, while fire type is strong right now, it's also like not that strong of a Tim. Like a neutral move from a very strong sweeper can honestly take out half its health without much problem. Like you heat up a guy else and it, you throw it into like a spot that he was going to high toe and it does like half its health and you're like, oh, ow. Yeah. Granted, after that, he can only do crystal moves, so <laughs> you can stay that round for pretty much free. But still, taking the hit doesn't feel good, so I, I, I'm currently struggling to find a good replacement for one of my weaker Timtims. I'm, I'm looking at water types for Ukama, because Ukama's great, but it might just be the way I have it built, because I don't really have much defensive investments, I just have speed and HP. So that might be part of why, but... yeah. Or is it like attack or special attack? Rather, I don't. I could. I have basically like mostly. Uh, I think it's actually mostly special attack and HP. But basically, I don't have a, a lot of defenses in it, and it's not very tanky Tim to begin with. So it often just gets two shot by anything, and that's partly why I'm thinking about switching it out for something else. But um, yeah, it's been great. Um, everything about it. I never feel like I made a mistake because of not understanding something because I spent a lot of time researching it. There's like a couple times where I've learned something new and learned how that stuff works. Like uh, one time I actually lost a game because someone used Sacrifice. I, did I lose the game? I don't know. I played a game, someone used Sacrifice and it got rid of Doom and I forgot that it had that little effect where it just gets rid of all status conditions. And I believe had I taken that into account, I would have basically like gone for the Kinu a lot sooner and tried to make sure that never happened before I had Extinction. 
because I believe the Kinu was was doomed with the Temtem that it sacrificed on, so it basically negated my whole extinction that way. Which is very big. I'm a big fan of sacrifice as an ability. Yeah. Oh, I like. The, I think it's it's gonna be a fun one to explore. Yeah, I actually started using it online. Yeah, it's just ooh, such a juicy juicy ability. It's like it's like self destruct or explosion or whatever, but but like support style or defensively. Yeah, and it has Super really good synergy with stuff like scavenger, and I'm even I even tried using it on my team because uh, if you think about it, if I use extinction, and I get to the point where I can switch in Kinu, buff something because it's got protector, and then save it with sacrifice. And I take out two of their Temtem, and neither of mine get gone away because I say have a talisman on my on one of my Temtem, and the other one gets sacrificed to heal up. Mm -hmm. And say the Kinu was close to dying anyways, and I don't lose out much. That's a huge gain if I can pull that off. So I started actually running that as opposed to... I forget, I think I was running Stonewall on it before, and I, ne I never used Stonewall. So that's why I took it off, I believe. It's I just, turned out to be a dead move. Yeah, it's what it felt like. So, um... Uh, mm. Yeah, the competitive scene is amazing from what I've played and what I've experienced. Um, it's not... I don't think I've played against many really great players. I've played against a bunch of good players, but I only played against a few that were like, okay, I think I got massively outplayed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And most of it's in the draft. Like, honestly, I'd say most of my games are decided in the draft, if not all of them. Yeah, I think that that seems to be universally what I've heard too when it comes to the highest level of, of Tim Tim. And it's also one of the most difficult things to qualify because there's a bit of intuition that you need when it comes to drafting yeah, as well as plenty of experience. And you need to know your team and you need to be able to understand the opponent's team at a glance because you don't have much time to make a decision. You have 20 seconds, I think, per pick. Plus, like, a minute or two, like, a minute of reserve time, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And, like I said, I almost used up my entire minute of reserve time just looking at that first ban. Because that <laughs> is, I'd say, the very most important decision in the entire match is that first ban. Yeah. Do you think that there is room for a change or any improvement into the pick ban phase as it stands? Uh... Do you think it feels like like certain choices during the pick ban phase are just otherworldly more impactful than others? After you get past the bans, it matters a lot less because then you just get to pick. Yeah. So the first ban is the most important move in the entire game, I would say. Mm hmm Like, including outside that match, anything you do in the game is less important than whatever you ban. Okay, mm -hmm. cat. And um, I haven't... I haven't gotten to play it, so I don't have too much experience, but I definitely feel like like yeah, like the the, the drafting of the, of the game could spread out the significance a little bit more cuz it feels like as you move further down the list, each yeah. pick becomes less and less significant. Yeah, and um, the bands are which most important. Which may be the pattern that they want. But it would be really nice if that last choice was like perhaps equally as significant as the first choice because i almost want to just tune out after the first first couple picks whenever i'm watching because it, mm -hmm. it almost feels like the game's kind of decided even then i think um 
part of that problem is because all the Temtem that are in the game right now aren't very strong. There's like four or five that are just the best Tim in the game right now. Mm. And you usually want to ban those phase one. And if they don't get picked before the second ban, you probably want to ban one of those. Or one of the one or one of the Tim Tim that would shatter your team if you if you leave it like unchecked. So mm-hmm. I struggle the most, I would say, whenever my Volarin gets banned. Because my Volarin or excuse me, my Volarin is one of my uh, stronger Tim Tim because it's one of the strongest Tim Tims in the game. <laughs> and my other Tim Tim, like Kapire, uh, Volcrane, Tuvine, uh, Ukama, Pig, Kinu, Ninjasil, a lot of them are good, but some of them are just like not broken, I guess is the best way to put it. Because like, I, I would say if we were to rate Tim Tim as the best ones are the best because you can't really deal with them very easily, I would call that mm-hmm. broken. And there's only a few of them in the game, and I only run like three of them on my team and that is pig kinu and volarind whereas the rest of them they fit well with my team they have great utility i can play very well with them i enjoy using them and i like them a lot but there are there are counters to them there are ways to play around them and there are ways you can handle them that aren't you know the best tim tim in the game which is why whenever you ban some of the better tim tim on my team i i struggle more than say if you ban my Volcrane or my Pig, which I see happens a lot, honestly. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. I, uh, so, I think the strongest bans against my team, which I kind of hate saying this publicly, but Kinu and Volarin are definitely up there, and then my Nidrasil as well, which I love my Nidrasil to death, which is why I like to play it so much. But mm-hmm. most people don't see that and see it as much of a threat, but it applies three stacks of toxic or poison to something and it, it that's like almost half its health right there. And a lot of times I'll use it to bulk up on my team or I'll use it to heal my team. And it's just like a really great support symptom that can also be a damaging threat. So like Gaialis. I almost never ban Gaialis, even though it's arguably the best Timtim in the game right now and one of the best leads in the game. Because I can deal with Gaialis. With my Nidrasil, I can deal with it with uh, my Ukama turn one and my Volarind later if I get enough buffs on it with like speed so I can hyperkinetic for half its health. So it has resistant, and all that does is stop one tick of toxic. And when I'm putting on three, it still gets two on there, so it's gonna get whittled down no matter how tanky you make it. And if I'm buffing my defenses on my Nidrasil, it's gonna take hits no matter how much you heat up. So, I'm not too worried about those kind of Timtim. I can usually handle Gaius, but Timtim like Saipat scare me because his three typings cover a lot of my team. He covers Ukama, he covers Kapire and Volarin, or not Volarin, um, Volcrane. He covers. Uh, what's that last one I'm forgetting? Kinu with Toxic Ink. And that's four of my nine Timtim, or my eight Timtim. That's half my team. And uh, they just like ban out my Volarind and something else, and I kind of have to ban the Saipat if it isn't first picked. Because at that point, it's a very strong switch in at almost every phase of the game. Right. So, oftentimes, I'm not banning the best Timtim because they're not the best against my team because I've, I've geared my Timtim to beat those Timtim. Mm-hmm. And 
I like to first ban Volrond a lot because I think that's one of the actual like best Tims in the game. If you, you know, if you want to argue, there's an argument for Gaius, and I'd say there's an argument for Volrond, and those are the two best Tim Tim in the game. I'd say uh, it's a little bit harder to argue the supports because their impact is generally in the background. So like Kino mm -hmm. and Pig, I'd say are uh, in the top for sure, but I wouldn't call one of them the best when the best is the one that you can't ever kill, which is either Volorant or the one that kills you in one shot, which is Guileless. And I would argue that Volorant is one of the best Temtem in the game if you build it anaerobic. And a lot of people will build it aerobic because it gets faster, which means it gets stronger, and all you do is lose some special defense, which they don't really think much of until they get one shot by an opponent's hyperkinetic. Which is why I think aerobic is going to fall off later, because it's just cheesy, in my opinion. And anaerobic is very great for the long term. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think that the the fact that there are two very viable builds on Volrond is actually what speaks to how strong it is. That too. Because it could be, it could be left or it could be right. Both of them, you know, not trying to argue which is better than which. Because in, in different scenarios, one will come out better than the other. Mm. Yeah. So The versatility is definitely what... Because it's one of the few Tim right now that actually has two two abilities. Yeah, two useful traits are, as opposed to are, one non-useful and one useful one. Right. So like, you know, when you're going against a guy, Alice, you, you, you basically... You kind of know what kind of trait it's going to come in there with. The same with like a... I don't know. Pig epic. Yeah, typically you it's uh, it's going to be faint of curse and pig. But right. uh, so like you you've got an idea of what these kinds of things are coming to the table. But whenever a Volrin hits the field, it's not only that the traits are different, but because the traits are different, the moves are very different. Well, you can always say there's a hyperkinetic. I will say that there is always hyperkinetic because <laughs> that thing is broken. That move is strong, and it doesn't matter if you run if it doesn't matter if you get minus special attack if your speed gets increased. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's either a physical stack or a special stack, typically. And sometimes it's, I'd say it's a mix. Uh, I, I do see an aerobic set that can run mix. But instead of, you know, buffing your special defense, you just buff your speed that way and you run less turbo runners. And perhaps if there's more special defense buffing Timtim, you run more of those. But mm -hmm. I think right now that, that build isn't super viable compared to the anaerobic side, which is much easier to, to complement with the stronger Temtem right now. So, like, specifically against my team, aerobic Volrond is really bad against my team, because it can't answer my Volrond, and my Volrond can't answer it. Because literally all I do is I can swap in a pig epic, and it can't do anything to either my Temtem. Mm -hmm. And their secondary Temtem could be strong against uh, my pig if it's, say, like a ninja seal or something that can apply a bunch of talk to it and take it out for you safely. But because there's no strong electric types in the game, there's no good threat against Volorand other than, I'd say, Volorand. Or mm -hmm. Gaialis. Because it doesn't... It, I, no, neither uh, neither traits buff its defense. You have, to get, you have to do that yourself. So, if I see an aerobic Volorand, I am never afraid of it. Even though it can do a bunch of damage, I'm usually able to turbo up to the same speed 
and have like five stacks of special defense and just be like, okay, you're not gonna deal any damage to my my uh, Volran, and I'm just gonna one shot yours because yours has minus five special or minus whatever special defense. So, mm-hmm. I would argue against my team, aerobic's bad, but on a, a an aggressive team, it could be very useful because it only takes like one turn for hyperion extract to get ready. You just do like Windblade or Feather Gatling if you want, and your speed is buffed by one, and you already have kind of a scary hyperconnect to hit with. Like, say you're running it with a uh, something else with turbo beside it, and turn two you also turbo when you kinetic, so you have a plus three speed already on it. That's a lot of damage very quickly, but if it's hitting something that resists it and has a lot of HP. It's not really going to matter, because it has a hold of one, so they can't use it again the next turn. So even if it does, like, a third of something's health, even if it resists it, it's going to take, like, six more turns to kill it. <laughs> Which is bad. And that's why I don't like it too much, is because it's easily countered as opposed to the anaerobic bullet, which is very hard to counter. Because how do you counter it other than rushing it down really fast with a physical attack? Which means you kind of have to run, like, Gyalis against it. Mm-hmm. And even then, if your Gyalis gets taken down early, like... So a lot of people like to lead Gyalis against me, which is why I'll go, like, Ukama Volarind. And ter- typically turn one, they'll, like, heat up, and they won't be able to attack. So what I'll do typically is water cannon it to get two stacks of Toxic on it, which will get reduced to one, and just get some, like, easy quick damage that way. And probably, like... Toxic bomb something to get my defenses up and whatnot. And there, I just think about what I want to do and what my opponent wants to do, what they have done and what to do, because it all it all it all depends. As you probably know, it's a it's a PvP game. It's not very deterministic. Or what happens after turn one is there's a bunch of possibilities, and right. it also depends on what side Tim they have. So that's when the game starts. Is uh, or that's when the the outplaying starts. Is what do I do to take advantage of my opponent thinking he's safe with a heated up guy Alice? Where do I think he's throwing his move, and what can I switch in to completely to counter that? Mm-hmm. And what a lot of them like to do is they like to turn one or turn to Haito, which Haito is a very very strong move, and it's gonna do a lot of damage to almost anything I throw in, other than Kinu. Which gets destroyed by its other crystal type moves. So I'd have to basically read a high two if I was switching to Kinu in that slot. And I do, I have done that before. And it's always, it always feels great because high two is a hold one move, which means they can't use it, which means I can then switch in my crystal type Timtim or whatever, or my earth type Timtim or whatever is good against it, and possibly my pig in the other slot and bamboozle it before it even gets to high toe. And at that point, I've put myself in a very strong position. So say I have my Volcrane there, or my Kapire, and it's strong against Gyalis because it's the typing. And it can only really do strong damage with a Haito, which can only use every other turn. So they're very much incentivized to switch at that point. And a lot of people would say that there's not much you can do against Gyalis without the right team. And I think my team is okay against Gyalis, which is why I don't really worry about it too much. I forget where I started with all this, but basically I'm trying to say that it's all very, like, 
dependent on what you have, what your opponent has, and what it starts. And that's why I enjoy it so much, is because there's never an obvious right answer, and a lot of times there's never an obvious wrong answer. Man, you could write an audiobook about that. Yeah, it's a fun game, very interactive. Um, yeah. I never feel like whenever I lose, I never feel bad. I just feel like, man, I could have played this better. I could have done this. Or maybe I messed up in the draft. Or maybe I should have picked this instead of that in that order. It's always yeah, something it, like, I could have done better. It's never, man, I, I lost. Dang it. Yeah, I, I think that that's another just one of one of many benefits that the game offers or sort of boons that the game provides is that without there being a, an accuracy or a crit system... Thank God. Yeah, you know, like a proc chance, fifty percent here, fifty percent there, thirty percent there, for effects. I I don't come out of battles going. Well, I just just was unlucky today. Mm -hmm. Any other day, that same exact maneuver could have won me the game. But today, you know the the attack missed. Yeah, I remember one time yeah. I was playing Pokemon and they first turned Ice Beam my lead and it got frozen and I just lost the game off that. Yeah, and it's like... I mean, I, 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 I get where percentages and randomization is good because in some ways it allows you to stir up the the meta because there can be instances where it gets super stale and diversity perhaps becomes non-existent. But arguably, you can just develop a stronger system that doesn't rely on the crutch of RNG to to keep it diverse and keep it wide. Yeah, I'd um, argue that RNG is almost never a good design idea, as opposed to just getting a better balance. Yeah, RNG from a from a gameplay system, truly, I this is an opinion. I really don't have too much offhand to back this up, but. It just it plays off of like the lottery addiction system mm -hmm. uh, that that people have, which is really good if you have systems in place to make it uh, like procable often. So, like for example, games like Hearthstone really pay off in the like the addiction to to gambling because you are actually just so largely out of control of, of the game. Like you're so not in control of the game that, but you get this illusion that you are. When that happens, it feels really good when you succeed. And when it doesn't, you're able to like lie to yourself. Oh, I just, I just lost here because of like this, this, and this, I just need to do that exactly again get these exact scenarios again and, and the next time it'll go out better but even then you still don't get to control mm -hmm. like this, the the odds are still the same as they always were yeah so you're you're ugh, I, I i hate the abuse of gambling in in video game design in that regard as if like you know drawing your cards and things like that weren't already random enough yeah um i want to give an example of one of the games i played so it came down to, I was streaming at this time, so I, I went back actually, and it was like two Tim Tim left or something like that, and I had a Kinu, and they had like a Gaius or something like that, or they had something in play, I think it was a Gaius, and I had two Tim Tim in play, and 
I was trying to make sure that I had enough damage to take out the guy that was before it could take out both of my Tintin. Mm-hmm. And I literally went back into my VOD because I didn't write down the, the, the percentage it did, the damage it did, to make sure mm-hmm. it did enough damage to take out its current remaining health. And it did. So I spent a lot of time just going back and looking, which like I kind of felt bad because it was like the last turn of the game. And mm-hmm. I kind of felt like they thought uh, maybe I was roping them or, you know, delaying the game further for, you know, to soak in the win, which I wasn't. I was just trying <laughs> to, like, ensure myself that this play was correct and that I wasn't doing things wrong. And the reason I did that is because there's no random amount of damage in uh, Tim Tim. And in Pokemon, there is literally a system in the damage rolling calculator that randomizes what results you get. And they often refer to it as min-max damage. You, sometimes you'll get the min, sometimes you get the max, and anywhere in between. In Temtem, you always deal the same amount of damage. So, Feels good. Yeah, so you know if you hit something once with something, unless it gets buffed or debuffed, you know exactly how much percentage damage it's going to do again next time. Right. Which That's, it's, it's so important to reward. I mean, it's it makes sense in the event that you're playing against a computer or against the system, uh, the systems at, in play, kind of like, you know, case in point, like in Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. Like, of course, you're playing against sort of like the, the DM, but you're playing, your your interaction is with the game systems. And if they were too consistent over and over again, it wouldn't be that interesting. Right. So that's where like the dice rolling and the randomization and the crits and that kind of stuff become really important. You, you look at things like... Um, I'm trying to think of another thing where, I don't know, you take like World of Warcraft, for example, where you're playing against like raids and, you know, if you if you just were hitting the same keys over and over again, you know, your key rota- rotation was the same thing over and over again, that would become boring and stale really quickly. Mm-hmm. So having those random procs in there to kind of like mix up the buttons that you need to press, like instead of going one, two, three, four, now you go one, one, two, three, so like if you to get the best damage that kind of stuff pve randomization stirs that pot because it's it's a computer the only variable is is you the player and like you know your interaction with the computer unless there's you take control away from the player through randomization through gambling uh to make it to where you're forced to mix things up not by your own free will mm-hmm. If you do that in PvP though, then it's just it's like a universally wrong, if you ask me. Like it's just bad. It, it's, it's it gets worse the better just, you get too. Cause like yeah, as a worse player, bad. it feels good to get that high roll and beat someone that you shouldn't because you you got lucky, you know what I mean? But right. as as a higher level player, to lose a game because you did something right but the wrong dice came out just feels awful. And I'm not trying to imply that I'm a high-level player or anything by that. I'm just saying from what I've heard from a lot of other people that have talked about this kind of stuff in games. Right. A lot of it's from Hearthstone players because I used to watch a lot of Hearthstones back in the day. And uh, a few of them, one of them in particular, would complain a lot about the, uh, the the dice rolls in the game because they would often be very bad. And whenever I played, whenever they were pretty bad, I also got pretty frustrated, which is partly why I ever stopped playing that game. But that's that's right. another topic. But uh, Yeah. A story for another day. Yeah, I could go on uh, and on about why I hate randomization in video games like that because it just takes the fun away from me. Specifically PvP, though. 
I, I will admit, yes. as much as I'm not super big fan of like gambling and like just slot machine style gameplay design, the randomization or at least like light randomization in the form of like critical hits and stuff like that are really fun ways of interacting with systems. I, I can tell you that there are plenty of games that I've played where like crit stacking is just tons of fun, you know, where you're just making, you're watching your damage numbers just kind of flash across the screen over and over again. That's really cool. Yeah. But when you're just, when just today's not your day to win, it sucks in PvP. Yeah. When, when you lose against the computer, you just suit up, go again, whatever. Um, when you lose to a person that you're trying to like test skill against, it's like, we didn't test skill. That that match wasn't about skill. Yeah, it was just <laughs> it was decided by fate. I um uh, I I don't want to advocate for randomness in Timpton PVE either because um I feel like there's enough of it as is even though it doesn't feel like it because just to give a pretty weird example when when you're farming in the C note for money like you're catching Ukamas and Whiplumps and whatnot. So I'll have my Benefactor Kinu and my Nesla in the game, and their max level, there's nothing that, that they can change but themselves. So their stats are always the same. But because the uh, the opposing Timtim are randomly spawned and generated, their stats change. So sometimes I one-shot a uh, an Ukama if I directly target it, and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I do just enough damage to put it in the red. Same goes for the Wimplum. Sometimes I will do all of its health from the second hit of Chain Lightning, and sometimes I'll do almost all of its health. And sometimes mm -hmm. I'll do almost a little bit under, a little bit, a little bit over half its health sometimes. And that's all because of the stats are random. The HP is different, the defenses are different, and that kind of randomness, even in such a boring grind, excuse me, it can make it different enough each time that I have to actually like pay attention, which could be a good thing or a bad thing, you'd say, for grinding, where sometimes it's better to be able to just AFK the whole time and not have to worry about it, and sometimes it's better that it keeps you interesting and it's more fun. That's a debate for a different time, I'd say. Fun and grinding. I've never heard those two words before. It can be fun if it's done right, so... Uh, as I was saying, the in Timtim, I don't think you need to add stuff like crits or random percentage chances on moves. I think the way they're doing it with the, right now, the stats are different enough. It's it's good enough as is. And there's also the... When you're doing something new, it's not going to be... It's not going to feel like a grind the first time. It's going to feel kind of interesting and fun because you're learning how to do it. So it's kind of like puzzle solving when you're playing against a new a new dojo leader. It's trying to figure out how to figure out their plan and dissect it and beat it. If you lose a bunch and you can't figure out how to beat it, it's going to feel like a grind, but... There's not really much you can do about that, I suppose, other than adding those random elements. But for, say, late-game content, like random dungeons and whatnot, they could have them randomized, they could have them all themed, they could have, had them, they could have them all the same teams and whatnot. But mm -hmm. they can change it dynamically because it's like an MMO-style game. It's online, mm -hmm. it's live, it, things can change by a week and whatnot. So they don't really need to add like stuff like that, I think, and I don't want them to ever add stuff like that, even though it does help with some PvP stuff. I, I don't want that stuff ever because I'd have fun I'd have fun doing say a dungeon or a raid with the current mechanics, honestly. And I think side note, if they added it into the game to tie people over until 
you know, the full game was out, like a weekly different randomized dungeon with a reward, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be. Uh, I definitely am not advocating for any of those features added to the game because I am a proponent that, in a, in a, in a sense, most of the time, those kinds of elements are only used as a crutch in game design. I agree. Uh, I think that there's definitely, if you if you rack your brain and you work hard enough, there there are ways to create interesting, intricate systems. However, that being said, your discussion about uh, randomization of dojos, like sort of like a random dungeon in that sense, mm -hmm. that sounds fun. But yeah. it makes me think of the apexes that exist in things like World of Warcraft right now for their dungeons. Mm -hmm. And I think it it could be a uh, there could be a conversation. And, you know, this probably would never happen, but I wouldn't be opposed to listening or even maybe supporting the idea that you go into a dojo that has a, you know, in parentheses, affix that applies a certain thing, like uh, moves have a 15% chance to crit now. <laughs> I, that, I think that that could just be a really fun way of just kind of getting those random rolls, you know, and like yeah, modifiers, each... just like in Slate yeah. Spire and any kind of like roguelike game that have dailies. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Yeah, I, th I think that that could do some really cool stuff uh, to the game. And, you know, you could do interesting things where it's like only your opponents get the affixes if you want to do it on hard mode. Only you get affixes if you want to do it in another way. They also, could be good or bad affixes. Like you have, play like playing, like could you imagine uh, playing like without the badges or something like that? So uh, your Tim now have like the option to use a move that you didn't Oh, that sounds choose. awful. Or just like end up loafing around or something like that. That sounds like, like little, a big like little spin-offs. That way you're yeah, you're like you're choosing to interact with this kind of this element of gameplay. Mm -hmm. And it's like an it's an added layer that you venture into as opposed to sort of the the, the skeleton or the base game. Yeah, and you know what they could do is they could ban specific types and stuff. You know, like um as we talked about several times in the podcast already, that quest where you have to build a specific team to complete. They oh, could yeah, uh yeah. They could like ban types or only allow certain types. That kind of stuff would be also kind of interesting. Excellent, excellent decisions. That's honestly that's one of the things that gets me hyped enough. I don't know if the 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 team is, you know, I really hope that they're very with the community, and I hope the community vocalizes uh, a lot of what they're interested in. But as an MMO and as one that's based or emphasizing patches and steady content patches progression and things like that mm -hmm. there's plenty of room to do all the like just all of these things you know what i mean they could come in in any sort of way whether or not it's a it's a so yeah sorry about those that, that little break up there i mean we've had a, i guess a couple for this episode yeah i'm but... definitely gonna put a disclaimer at the front <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh i promise we we rehearsed this this is this has been rehearsed like nine times this yeah, sure. is not off the cuff. This is not improv. There were just a couple of technical issues that happened. Very sorry about that. Anyway, yeah. So as an MMO, one of the things that has attracted me to this this game or is still has me pretty excited is what I've been reading into. Krema definitely has no true obligation to this, but the implication behind patching the game and being able to just go anywhere with it, really. Uh, also dungeons, the dojos, being able to do things like these affixes, mm -hmm. just all this stuff is, it's really exciting that the possibility is there. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see that anytime soon until the game is completely out because uh, from what I'm seeing lately, 
they're not really interested in doing things outside of their current goals for the game. Uh, it seems like they just want to get things done the way they had it set out as best they can right now, mm-hmm. and then worry about adjusting things to to players' likings later, from what I can tell. You know, I don't find that unfortunate at all, though. Uh, I think that that, yeah. is, that is excellent. In fact, I, I want them to stick to the roadmap. I'm glad that we have a roadmap. In fact, yeah. if it weren't for them planning on sticking to the system and delivering this content, we wouldn't even have a roadmap, and we would just go in dark. Yeah, And that would be even scarier. I, um... I, I feel even more comfortable brainstorming the possibilities that this game offers, yeah. even though I have a roadmap. And I would also not see it as a negative thing, but a lot of people do. And that's why a lot of people have frustrations with the way things are going right now is because I, I don't want to like talk bad about them, but it kind of sounds like I am when I'm saying they don't understand uh, a lot of game development and they don't understand that oh, catering to the whims of a honestly small community and... Mm-hmm. A lot of them probably are pretty quiet, honestly. There's probably just a, a vocal few, if anything, that are, as with any community, there's always a few that complain a lot and always give a bad name for them. Like, yeah, Blizzard's very popular or very um, very famous for this because their forums are absolute go- like garbage because it's always full of people like complaining about random stuff that honestly doesn't even matter a lot of the time. But I do and, like... And spreading misinformation. Yeah, that too. I do Ooh. like... Oh, on that note, if I do say something wrong in this podcast, or if any of us say anything wrong in this podcast, which has happened before, I will try to correct myself as soon as I find it. So, apologies if I do end up spreading any kind of mis- misinformation. Like, I believe I may have misled people about how Bamboozle worked before. But mm. uh, I really didn't have a great way of knowing that without testing it a bunch, and I didn't play through the game with Big Epic, so... Yeah, I mean, me. an easy disclaimer could be just this. If we've said something wrong in the episode, feel free to let us know in the comments. Yeah. But please do review the comments where we will have corrected ourselves post-episode. Yeah. yeah, if I find something and I want to correct something, it'll always be pinned. And that's actually what I was going to say next. Uh, because, again, feedback is very important. It's wanted. And I would love to get some feedback from people if they think anything needs to be changed. I mean... I'm not going to listen to everything that is said because sometimes people will suggest things that I disagree with, but having that input is still valued and it may or may not affect my decisions in the future. And there's no point in, uh, there's, there's no point in holding it back if you're respectful about it, because at worst I just say no. And at best it could change the podcast to more to your liking. So, yeah, I think one thing, if you don't mind me kind of taking over here, maybe as a listener, maybe you don't understand um, the the more interaction that you give us with the uh, in the comments, it actually helps the channel in a couple right. of different ways. The algorithms and things like that that allow us to be advertised and and displayed actually look at things like number of contents uh, comments. So please do like anything really, even yeah. if it's like just an exclamation point or something like that. That that definitely helps the channel. <laughs> but on a on an, a more direct note too, very fluid, very open group we've got going on here. If you have any questions that you want us to answer, oh yeah, or just file to means. bring up, yeah, like definitely throw that in there. And if you are interested in even coming in for an episode, uh, we 
reserve the right to choose and screen, but hey, just send us a, a message and we'll, we'll chat. Yeah, uh, contact you. me on Discord. I'll leave my information in the description of this episode. Uh, shoot me a message saying that you want to be on Tamer Talk and we'll get to talking. But... Or if you have a friend who streams the game or is really interested in the game and you think that we should have them on here, that too. Like you'd like to recommend someone for us to bring in here. Also, like open up that door of conversation because yeah. We're we're ready to 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 go through it. But uh what was I saying? We're talking about people complaining in the game changing based on people's whims. Yeah. Okay. So back to the topic at hand. Um it's really good in my opinion to stick to your guns as a game developer, especially in such a fragile state of the game, which it is. It, I absolutely adore this game. I love it with all my heart. I think it's amazing, even as is. There's a lot of bugs, and there's a lot of issues as well. <laughs> and it's not a perfect game. It's a very enjoyable and fun game, but that's because that's what I've made out of it. And it's got a bunch of the stuff that I like in it. I would not. I still wouldn't recommend buying the game for the current price if it stayed this way. Because, honestly it's not worth the time investment to get a team down and to start playing the game if you like competitive because it takes a long time and a lot of people don't have that time. I mean, with right now, the uh, whole you know, Corona thing going on. Stay stay away from urban politics. Yeah, just with that <laughs> happening, people do have more times, yes, but that's not always going to be the case. But there is, like we said, an update coming out that will have the ranked matchmaking update, which will have a easier system to get into, which at that point, I would fully recommend the game to anyone at the current price, because then you basically have a bunch of story to go through, and if you want to get into competitive, it's right there at your fingertips. All you got to do is spend a couple, like, pants on breed some Timtim, and, and when I say a couple, I mean, like, you don't need to buy those DNA strands or anything. All you have to really worry about is the trait and the 50 pants it costs to get them, and whatever, like, egg moves you need to get. And yeah. you don't even have to bother with the um, the trait, because the 10k to guarantee that is probably oftentimes a lot more expensive than just trying the gen, trying to breed again, because it's a 50/50 roll, and at most or on average it can cost you 100 pansons, as opposed to 10k. So definitely, yeah, t- TV training will be the only only buy-in you have to make. Yeah, real buy-in. Yeah, I forgot about that. Thanks for pointing that out. That's going to be a bit of a time commitment, but I literally got mine done in a full afternoon. A full afternoon, but an afternoon of uh, grinding those Tim Tim out. And yeah, that's... but yeah, yeah. TV training is at least a lot more, is, is far more interactive than like money grinding or breeding. Yeah, and that's, so. well, I wouldn't say, I don't know how interactive. You definitely get a result out of it, you feel when you play the game, but. I did not. I don't. I didn't include the actual time I spent to actually consider to, to think up these TV spreads. But like, I I always recommend starting with max XP. That's a good place to start because then you get more health to work with, which means you get more mistakes to make basically all the time because you get more, you get to take more hits, and right. sometimes that matters a lot. But uh, anyways, back to the point I've been tangenting off of four times. <laughs> I think it's great that they're sticking to their guns instead of going to every small decision that someone or a a small group would be vocal about it like something like uh spectator mode's great but rushing it out would not be a good idea something like uh changing the side part to be more interesting would be great but it's not really like something they need to focus on and stop everything else for yeah it's content in the game is well worth the price i would say if you're not interested in competitive for what it stands maybe Mm -hmm. a little bit 
maybe a little bit expensive. I would say I'd probably like rate it at about seventy to eighty percent worth its value right now. Yeah. Which is fine. And for them to stop what they're doing and try to please everyone, I think would just cause more problems than it would solve. And I've seen that happen with so many like early access games and so many other things that people try to make their own. Like I used to be into this game uh, that was basically like a Smash clone, and I'm not going to name it because I don't want to start any trauma. But uh, it, it eventually died. There are only died. twelve people that play the game, so if he mentioned it, it would cause a lot of drama. <laughs> Well, I just don't want to talk bad about the dev team because I think the dev team was great. I think they're awesome. I just think they listened to the community too much. And it ended up making the game not fun to play because they spent a lot of time nerfing the fun stuff, which people complained about. And it made everything kind of like a wet noodle fight, which is not fun. It just yeah. was not fun. It just felt like everyone was underpowered except for a couple characters. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's about all it there is for this week, I think. But much. Yeah, we've gone a little bit over time, but that's fine because there's a bunch of issues that I probably need to edit out, and I want to make sure there's plenty of time in this podcast. So um, without further ado, let's do the sign-off. Uh, I've been your host, Mitch Mackins. This is joined by oh, Captain My Captain. Say goodbye. Goodbye. And we'll see you all next time. Hope you all enjoyed.